0: Is Victor Wimbayama the real deal? Can Scoot Henderson possibly pass him up as the first pick in the 2023 NBA Draft? Find out more here as I answer questions in this August edition of the Locked On NBA Big Board Mailbag episode. Stay tuned. What is up? What is up? Happy Monday. And you are listening to the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, which is your daily NBA Draft Podcast. I am Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBADraftJunkies.com. And it is the slow season. And it feels like I haven't been on for a while. I think I've this is probably like my second episode since I, I left for due to the birth of my son and I'm a little rusty I feel like you know a player that hasn't been in the gym and my jump shot's a little off so um bear with me I still been watching film I still been doing research I just haven't been doing podcasts but I am about to to ramp it back up because even though it is August it's it's mid-August now it's getting closer to the start of college basketball and maybe people have a little bit more interest and in all again right now it is it's the off season in basketball. But again, I don't stop. I don't have an off season. I've already started focusing on twenty twenty three draft and then also spent a lot of time watching film this summer on um, at, at the international competition, so the FIBA under-18s, under-17s, and even a little bit of the U16s, so I'm even writing down notes on players that probably won't be eligible until the 2025 draft, but again, this is what I enjoy doing. All right, so let's just get right into it. Actually, you know, before I get into that, I got to thank each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day, especially at This particular time on the calendar, it is like I said, it's not basketball season. And so, for those that are NBA draft junkies that are still tuning in, just wanted to thank you and and shout out to you for for again making this your first listen of the day. All right, let's just get right into it. I've had a series of questions that I have been getting over the past I mean, I guess you can say the past month, but really, like over the past couple of weeks. And I just wanna go through and, and answer them. And one of the first question is, is Cooper Flag the real deal? So you're probably wondering who was Cooper Flagg. Cooper Flagg is arguably one of the best long-term prospects, long-term NBA prospects in the world. He's young, I think he's only like 15 years old, had a phenomenal summer at the under 17s. He's from Maine. He will be transferring to Montverde Academy this uh this this fall I mean probably started school already and Mount Verde is a I mean Mount Verde has a better alumni base than some of your blue blood schools I mean just in the past few years you can go with Ben Simmons you can go with Cade Cunningham you can go with Scotty Barnes um Moses Moody went there I mean they had a team a couple years ago that could probably be one of the greatest high school teams ever. I mean, they just have a factory, and Cooper Flagg is going there. And Flag just kind of burst up on the scene this summer, even though he was – well, I'll put it like this. He burst up on the scene for a lot of people that don't really follow high school basketball, but he just does a little bit of everything. Like, he is the epitome of a stat stuffer. He has – I don't even know how to explain. It. I mean he he's like a shot blocker. He's like a wing. He, he's tough to compare. Like I don't really know any any other player that I could make a, a good comparison for him because he just does so many things well. Right now he's listed at 6'8. He's fluid, he's skilled, he has tools, he is the epitome of position list. He can pass. Um he does a good job of finding cutters at the high post. He's like this connective tissue type but he's like a star at the same time his motor is unreal he gets every rebound that comes to him attacks offensive glass he's a good athlete he can make plays in transition I mean it's just a long list of things that Cooper flag can do and on top of that like I said he's an energy guy but he could easily have a role as like a I mean don't take this the wrong way but like a a garbage bucket guy. A guy that just scores off of activity, but he's skilled. I mean, he's I mean, he's going to be like a name that you're going to hear a whole lot of in the future. So, to answer your question, I know that was a long answer, but yes, I do believe that Cooper Flag is the real deal and he probably is a better defensive player than offensive player, despite having such a crazy skill set in motor. I mean, defensively, he, I mean, he can block shots. He can get steals. He can switch out on the perimeter and defend. I mean, I'd say the the only area of concern I have right now is um, the shooting consistency, but he's like 15 years old. So, I mean, he's going to have plenty of time to to develop that. So that is a name to pay attention to over the next few years, because Cooper flag is the name I guarantee you, you are going to be hearing a lot of, if he of course keeps up the the progression. All right, the next question is, what are my thoughts on the Thompson twins? And the Thompson twins are playing for overtime elite. It is Amin and Asur Thompson. And when I say these two are like two of the most athletic players I have ever seen in my life, which is saying a lot. I mean, there's a lot of freak athletes in the NBA a lot of freakish athletes that are playing college basketball but their athleticism is it's is different. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. It is different. It's almost like Vince Carter type athleticism where they're like I don't even know. Like I can't even some of the plays that they make it look like it looks like they're playing on a nine foot rim. And it is just this effortless it's, I can't, I can't even explain I wish I could explain it but it's like explosive but it's like this effortless explosiveness kind of like what what Vince had and just their flexibility in the air I mean it's it's incredible and <laughs> I like them a lot I do think that um I, I struggle determining which is which um but I know one of the twins like a really really good passer. I think with his athleticism and his speed and his burst and his passing instincts, I think that he has all the tools that NBA teams are looking for. And I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them as top five picks. I know there's one that is rated higher than the other. I think that's Amin that many people are, are saying as the top five pick. But it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see um, all the attention of Overtime Elite this year because Overtime i mean last year was their you know their first year and it kind of ended up being disappointing on draft night when um john montero didn't get drafted and then um dominic barlow also and so I, that was kind of again that was kind of a, a, a down year and some people were even talking about well is over anybody going to overtime elite they didn't have anybody drafted but, but i mean at the end of the day this was their first season But the Thompson Twins, (laughs) they are definitely going to bring a lot of attention to to overtime elite. And so, again, my thoughts on them are phenomenal athletes, incredible upside. Both need to improve their shooting. I think that is a major concern. And, um, you know, maybe there is some concern about high-level competition. It wasn't like they played in the EYBL. I think they played like a... It kind of came out of nowhere in a sense. So um, I'm sure people would love to see them play against higher level competition, even though I thought they kind of held their own in the the tournament, the basketball tournament, which is grown men and a lot of guys that are professional athletes. But I'm, I'm high on the Thompson Twins. Let's take a brief pause and talk about Built Bar. And I have a cabinet full of Built Bars right now. And that's because I keep getting boxes of Built Bars. And the reason they keep giving me boxes of Built Bars is because I keep eating boxes of Built Bars. But if you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? <laughs> There's a new flavor. It's delicious. It's this indulgent cookie dough, it's covered in chocolate. That's right, <laughs> a cookie dough, Built Bar Puff covered in chocolate. So let me introduce you the cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture it is real cookie dough chunks and of course they're covered with 100 percent real chocolate all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it plus it's healthy for you the cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them so run snag a box for you and the family it will be the perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself And like all Built Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puffs are covered with 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty. Chocolate covered cookie dough with light fluffy texture, delicious. And what's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So eat something that tastes good and that is good for you. How often does that happen? You're gonna love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite, Bilt is the perfect protein bar and they taste better than a candy bar, so you can ditch the calories, the fat, and the sugar. Grab yourself a Bilt bar. Go to Bilt.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15, and you will get 15% off at Bilt.com. All right, once again, this is Rafael Barlow director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And again, shout out to each and every person that has made this Locked On NBA Big Board podcast, your first listen of the day. All right, let's get right back into the questions. And this question is, after Wimbayama, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Victor later. After Wimbayama, who is the best center available? Is it Derek Lively or Khalil Ware? Right now? I think I'm going to go with where. Now I know lively was the more highly touted prospect out of high school. I think at one point a lot of people had him as the number one player in this class. Lively kind of reminds me of Tyson Chandler in, in a sense, and I think I've mentioned that before on a on a previous uh, podcast. But it reminds me of Tyson Chandler. Where is a guy that I just think has tremendous upside? Now, he doesn't really space the floor right now, but I do think that there are some uh, flashes of him being able to extend his range and have touch. I mean, he's just your your bouncy, athletic, rim runner, pogo stick, offensive rebound, vertical lob threat. Just, you know, your modern day NBA center. And if he can stretch the floor, then he, he ends up being more valuable. Lively is an incredible shot blocker. Right now, I say Lively has better shooting touch. My knock on Lively is uh, sometimes I just feel like he's just not as aggressive and assertive as um, I'd like him to be, but I think he's going to have a great year at Duke. It's going to be interesting to see um, you know, this this race between the, the two bigs, and it's also going to be interesting because there are people that feel like you don't need to select a big in the lottery in the NBA draft. They feel like you can get real value from a big man late, so we'll see how how, um, you know, the Lively and where, how their freshman year goes, and if they end up being lottery picks like they're projected. But Lively seems to have uh, dropped on, on some boards and mocks that I've seen, considering that, you know, a lot of people thought he was the top high school player. But I it, it guess it just shows that sometimes you can be rated as the top high school player, but that doesn't mean you're the top NBA prospect. All right. Next question. This is a question I'm probably going to hear a lot, going forward, on top of the numerous times that I've had this question sent to me. But the question is: Does Scoot Henderson have a shot at being number one? And I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think he does have a shot at being number one. I mean, right now, you know, Wimbenyama is the, the clear-cut favorite, and Scoot is number two. Uh, the reason I say that, I think, and I, and I guess this kind of leads to another question. That, I, that I'll answer. I think the reason why Scoot has a shot at possibly being number one is potentially durability concerns. Um, and the question that I, the next question I had was, does Wimbeyama's injury history scare you? Yes and no. He hasn't had any major injuries. It's kind of been like minor kind of nagging injuries that has kept him out. And I think that played a major role in him going from Asvel to his new team, the the Metropolitans. And that is because they are they're not a, a team playing in the Euro League or the Euro Cup or the Champions League, to my knowledge. So I think he'll only be playing once a week. So that will provide less wear and tear on his thin frame, which could save him. I do think like playing. At this stage in his development, I think playing twice a week against bigger, stronger league players may not be the best situation. So I feel like it was kind of strategic for him to, to go to a club that's only going to play in the domestic league. It gives him a chance to like really work on his body and, and get stronger. So I said all that to say this. If... There are some injury concerns with Wembeyama, then I do think Scoot has a chance. And, of course, Scoot is going to have to live up to all the expectations that he has this year. Um, he's been highly regarded since since he stepped on the floor um, in, in the G League, even before that. And, and so he does have the ball in his hands. And it is more so of a, I guess, a a, a guard-driven league, even though that, you know, Embiid and, and and Jokic have have a say in that and then same with Giannis. But I do think that, that there is a, a chance because he like I said, he's a ball handler, phenomenal athlete. I see him as like Derrick Rose in a sense, the Derrick Rose type player with a I think he has a better jump shot, mid range pull up than Rose at the same stage. He does need to work on his outside shooting, but let's just say he does improve as a shooter and he shoots 35%, 36 percent from three. he he might have a shot he might have a chance but right now Wimbayama is the favorite but you know Scoot Scoot does have a chance and the next question is related to Wimbayama is Victor Wimbeyama really in this all caps really that good I mean the best prospect ever come on like is he for real so that was I was reading that but yeah I, I have seen some people say he's the best prospect ever that's far fetched. I've seen the best prospects since Lou Alcindor. I've seen Anthony Davis. I've seen LeBron James. I've seen Luka Doncic. I mean, I guess the safest one to say is Luka Doncic. You know, best international prospects since Luka Doncic, which, I mean, you're not going way outside on the limb by saying that. But Wembeyama is that good. And um, I live in Dallas, and I didn't get a chance to watch him play. I was kind of disappointed about that. But he had been in Dallas the last couple of weeks, and um, he had been working out. And I spoke with his trainer. And his trainer had said to me, "This is this is a crazy quote." He said that he thinks Victor has a chance to be one of the best ever. And, um, and when he said this, and he, he's a guy that I, I have a strong relationship with, and he's not just kind of, you know, uh, looking for a, a blowing smoke. He's saying that his ability to process information and process things, on top of his drive is what separates him on top of all the physical gifts and and natural ability. But he said that he just, you explain something to him, he picks it up one time and, and he does it. And he said that he's just really driven to succeed. So I think that, um, you know, that, that, that says something. But is he really that good? Yes. It, it's going to be different because I think that people are going to compare him to Luca. what Luca did. And his last year in Europe, and I think it's just totally different because Luca had the ball in his hands. Luca's body was more NBA-ready, more ready for the physicality of, of the EuroLeague, while Wembeyama's still very slim, even though I think I saw him listed at, like, 220, <laughs> something like that, but I think he's, like, 7'4". He might be even 7'5". I mean, I, I know you've seen the rounds, or if you haven't, there's a picture from last summer where um he was at the under 19s I believe and uh, he they had like the all tournament team it was him standing next to Chet and he was towering over Chet and they were both standing straight up so he might be like 7'4 which is which is pretty crazy but yes I, I think he's that good best prospect ever I mean that's that's a long shot I mean that's a tremendous amount of pressure to put on a kid but I, I do think that he is worthy of all of the hype and the accolades that he's been receiving. All right, next question is Who is your top returning player? Turquavion Smith is my top returning player. I think Turquavion is going to have a Jaden Ivey type year. And I know that he has some guarantees, uh, not necessarily like guarantees, but I do think that he was a lot to be a first round pick. Uh, in the 2022 draft didn't necessarily like his position, but wanted to come back and put himself in position to be a, a potential top five pick. I think he's a top 10 pick. I like him a lot. It's going to, you know, it's going to be difficult for him. NC State wasn't that good last year. And that was with Darion Seabron on the team. So he is going to be the focal point of the offense. And um, we'll just see how that impacts his play. I mean, he's, he's a uber uber. Uber confident score anyway. Uh but I mean just I, I just think that I mean he's going to be number 1 on the scouting report. Teams are going to game plan against him. They're going to probably try to be physical against him. And let's just see how he goes against facing. I mean, he might face some boxing ones, but just as we call it boxes and elbows, the defenders are going to be at the boxes and elbows looking to limit what he does and so i mean it was risky but i I like the confidence and he's a very confident player and he bet on himself that coming back to school will put him in a better position to be a top 10 pick and i'm sure his his eyes are set on higher than than top 10 maybe top five top three and and maybe even number one but he is my top returning player all right the next question is will arkansas have two first round picks i think it's it's a possibility with um with uh, Anthony Black and Jordan Walsh there, two Dallas kids, by the way, Dallas area kids. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a couple things that that uh, will, will need to happen, but I think more than likely, even if they don't happen, I think more than likely based off their potential, I mean, Anthony Black is a big point guard, a big initiator. Um, some say he's a wing, but I mean, point forward at, at the very minimum, good passer, um, the concern with him is his outside shooting. If he can uh, knock down open shots, then maybe. And then actually, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm tripping. Yes, Arkansas will have two first-rounders, possibly three. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how I just drew a blank there with Nick Smith there, who is also projected to be a top-ten pick. So Arkansas, best-case scenario, could have three guys selecting the first round, maybe three in the lottery. And the players are Nick Smith, Anthony Black, and Jordan Walsh. Um, Nick Smith is is the the highest rated of the three, and uh, but it, I'm curious to see how how it works out with Anthony Black, who's as who's best with the ball in his hands, playing with Nick Smith, who's also really good with the ball in his hands. They're both they both can play the one. They both can play a little bit off the ball, and then Jordan Walsh is a a just a a really really good athlete. Has this toughness to him, competitive, and um, You know I mean he has some skill but you know it it just depends on how much skill level he shows this year and if he can showcase some skills knock down some open shots and and just showcase more than being an athlete then I think he has a chance too. and speaking of that I mean I kind of feel the same way about Dylan Mitchell at Texas a phenomenal athlete Um, has energy has the size and intangibles but I think that for him it's going to be uh, important for him to showcase some some skills outside of athleticism. All right. Can Imani Bates have a bounce back season? And I think so. Uh, shouldn't be as much pressure on him this year. He, he he did go, I don't want to say backwards, but he did go down. He's, he's playing at a mid-major now at Eastern Michigan. He's not at Memphis. I think the best thing for him is kind of toning down the expectations. He was unfairly labeled as the next Kevin Durant and since then he, he's gotten better but his growth has kind of stagnated and I just think the pressure got to him. I mean there's some other factors that I won't get involved with that. I mean just hearsay that that I've heard that I don't want to, you know, to mention here that have that many believe has contributed to his um, I guess decline. But I mean he's 69, he has the potential to be a shot creator I mean you don't see too many guys at that size that can create their own shot off the dribble he is a a capable shooter not the lights out shooter that that many thought he was going to be a few years ago but just with his size and, and skill set I think that he is a I mean I, I, th- I think it's a chance for him to to kind of regain some of the the love affair that people had with him but I mean again there's not as much attention on him I think that if he's at Eastern Michigan and they just focus on just development just eliminate some of the noise and just focus on getting better getting stronger working on his body then I think he can have a bounce back year. Um, I've seen some people still think that he is a first round pick I haven't fully made out my my big board yet but I I am gonna to lean towards, I do believe that Imani Bates can have a bounce back year. All right, the last question is Did you get a chance to check out Azan Almansa? He won MVP of the U17 World Cup and the U18 Championships. Thoughts on him as an NBA prospect? <laughs> he had a phenomenal, phenomenal summer. Like, I don't think I've ever seen anybody win. MVP in two FIBA competitions in the same summer, even in the same month. He won MVP at the U-17s and the 18s plays for overtime elite. He is from Spain, and um, he just has this ridiculous motor, this energy and activity that he brings to the game. I think that he is also a, a, a really good defender. He's a guy that, even though on paper, when you look at the accolades that he won this year... You would think that he's a shoe-in to be the, the top NBA prospect. And unfortunately that is not the case. But I do think that he can have a a really good NBA career. I mean, he it's like when I write notes on him, like sometimes when I write notes on players, I can fill it up. I can have twenty different entries for strength and five to ten for weaknesses. And for him, my scouting notes were incredibly Limited for a guy that was as productive as he was. And basically, all I can say is that, you know, he's active. He's an energy player. He has a nose for the basketball. He crashes the offensive glass. He's an excellent rebounder. He runs the floor. Has a, a good feel as a passer. Efficient finisher around the rim. Quick second jump. Good athlete. Not great athlete, but good athlete. And he just impacts games with his hustle and his effort. And, you know, as far as, like, the concerns, he doesn't really space the floor. Um, he's not a good free-throw shooter. And, uh, like, again, he's a very, he's a really good athlete as far as just, like, his mobility and fluidity. But he's not, like, your crazy kal wear type athlete. He kind of reminds me of—and maybe this is a bad comparison, but, you know, right now he has, like, the— the energy, effort, nose for the ball kind of reminds me of like a young David Lee. David Lee was a guy that can get you twenty and ten just off of being athletic and and cutting to the rim and just having a nose for the ball. Then David Lee ended up developing a, a jump shot. So I maybe maybe I'm wrong here, but I, maybe I I just kind of see a little bit of David Lee in this game. But I like him a lot. It'll be interesting to see his development over the next um, couple of years. I mean, he is playing for overtime elite, so he, he is stateside, so people will be able to, to check him out and watch him play. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thank you for all the questions. Thank you for, again, tuning in making locked on nba draft your first listen of the day every day now for your second listen get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the nba in just 30 minutes every day with the locked on nba podcast locked on nba is your daily nba update in just 30 minutes i'm rafael barlow signing out hopefully everyone has a good week and i am out